We're continuing our series now today in the book of Colossians, the epistle that the Apostle Paul wrote. We're in this series, and we're in a series called A Letter to Modern Day Colossians. I have loved this series. I wish I'd have had like 14 or 16 weeks. There is so much in it, and I feel like I'm just kind of glossing over some things there, but I still want to encourage you. I had this crazy, crazy thought. Every time I say that, you should see Billy's face. She has no clue what's coming on this thing, right? No, she said never, but we'll let that go. I have notes, Billy. I don't use them, but they're here. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. I just had this thought. What could God do with a church that was a praying church where we read His Word and our hearts were for the community that we lived in. What could God do with a church like that? And I just want to tell you, I feel like we're on the precipice of something great at Summit Church in knowing God's Word. And it's going to get, I just told him earlier, it's going to get gooder and gooder. I know. It just stay with me. I didn't say proper grammar because you would have never remembered that. But that you'll remember, won't you? But it is. So in this part here, if you haven't read the book of Colossians, right, then I want to encourage you, it's not too late for you to grab onto that. There's four chapters in it, and we're going to focus on the fourth chapter today. Our message for today is change your world. And it's really important because this is a Generations Worship Sunday. We have our Summit kids here. We know that it's Labor Day. We know that, you know, a lot of people are vacationing, and this is kind of the last weekend a lot of people have before they just get poured into the school activities and things. But this is with our Summit kids in here and all of our student ministries and so forth. And it was really the timing on this to be able to say to all generations, this isn't specific to an age group or something. God is calling on us to change our world. I want to do a really quick recap just to take you through where we've been. And, and I'm doing this more like a fishing lure out there because I want to entice you that if you haven't read this chapter or this, this letter here, the epistle to the church in Colossae, maybe this will draw you to that. But we started off and we talked about our hope is in the truth. We've got to get the truth right. We talked about being self-feeders and taking responsibility for our growth. Remember, everybody got a fork on that day. Feed yourself. Here's your fork. But God's given us His Word. And I just read another story today that, you know, that there's so many stories when we did not have God's Word for us. It had to be presented by somebody else in a language, and we, you know, the people had to listen, and then God changed all of that, and He gave us His words. We have so many different translations, you know, an English, a simplified version here, there, and so we have no excuse for not reading and being a self-feeder. And then we talked about hitting the right target as we're doing this. And then we continued to look at this thing, and we talked about being rooted, built up, and established how important that was for us and what that root meant for us. We talked about now we are different, we should live differently. And then last week we talked about we got to start in our own home, don't we? And so when I say our own home, you know, I, I started thinking back on last week's message and it may have felt like I was talking about our home, you know, house we live in. But this is our home too, isn't it? So all of the things that we're talking about that God is calling us to, the power of God's Word, who we're supposed to be, 
Well, yes, it has to start in the home that we live in, but we have to understand that this is our home too. And that's why reaching Centennial, five square miles, is so important to us because we're saying this is our home. We cannot live here without making a difference if we truly believe in Christ, if we truly believe God's Word, and we want to do what God told us to do as family. And so when we walk through that, now this week we're going to dive into chapter 4 of this. And you know, uh, as we go to God's Word, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I said last week, and I, and I love the fact Jim Ladd will be here, and he shared it at the church there in Olympia, and one of the things that he does is he asks those, if you're capable of standing, if you have God's Word on your phone, anything, but if you would stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read through this and take verses 2 through 6 is what we're covering out of the entire chapter 4, although we'll cover that in the message. And God's speaking to us, and He says this, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Great statement, isn't it? And then He says this, act wisely toward outsiders making the most of the time. Continuing, he says, let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know that you know how you should answer each person. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please take a seat. The big idea today is, and for all of us, is God is calling us to be radical Christians who he works through to change our personal world. Now, I just need to tell you, you know, there are certain words that just kind of get, they get used, misused, and so forth. We have this thing that when a word hasn't been used for many years, they take it out of the dictionary, and then they add words in there like ain't and so forth, because that's what everybody's saying. So that needs to be in the dictionary as if it was common right language. When we look at the word radical, before anybody gets political on me on this issue, that was never the intent of the word. I mean, when you look at it, Jesus was radical. And we say we want to be like Jesus, but we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to live in such a way that people would actually look at us and go, oh, they must be a Christian. I'm going, that's not what God's calling us to. That our life, our words, seasoned with salt, being gracious, we should make a difference and people should look at us. And, you know, there's been a couple of times, and, and I'm go back, Billy and I and the boys were in Milan for a change of command for a, a commander there that was great. But we're on this, you know, the little tram and, and so forth. And it was one of those moments I look back and I could say, well, I was always like that. But we were in this family conversation and one of the Italians says, are you guys Christians? Now, there were other times I could tell you they could look at us and say, there's no way you're Christians. Okay, this just happened to be one place. You understand? But I think people should be able to look at us and understand that, and we should live our lives in such a way that we are changing the world that God has given us responsibility for, that He's entrusted to us here. And so when we look at this, we have a, at home, and I want to thank one of our mentors. He's in heaven right now. Um, boy, just a spiritual giant in my life, Neil Markva. Connie is still, she's actually with family down in Southwest Corner right now. Colorado. But he got us into the 1828 dictionary of, of Webster's. 
And you see what the root words are when you see some things. What was the intention? Now, I want to tell you one of the neat things that we've got to get in terms of Christians and as believers is, if you really want to understand what God means by a word, we have a principle in Christianity called first use. So we go back to how did God say it first? And that gives us a guiding principle of which to apply it. Now, there are other religions that will say a new revelation actually changed how we feel about something. Not calling out any other, not speaking against any other religion whatsoever. Not the point. The point is, it's not about what others do. It's about what God calls us to do. God calls us to the principle of first use. So when God says the word rooted, right, for example, or he uses the concept of being radical in that means, what does that actually mean? I went back, and the closest thing we have to a dictionary, and the best one is the 1828. And so when I look at this, and I looked at this Daniel Webster Dictionary, this is what the word radical means, pertaining to the root. Just stop there. Didn't we talk about we have to be rooted, and that what the source of it is, that if we are not rooted, we will not grow. God tells us the story. Jesus told the story of the, the, the four seeds. And you remember what happened there? The only one that grew was the one, two grew, but one of them grew with the weeds. So the first one, it was on the road, and the birds plucked it. No, nothing from that. Second one was, it was in shallow dirt where what? It could not take root. Now, we talk about things that we're a mile wide and an inch deep, says you have no roots. And this word radical talks about getting to the root, original what the meaning was here in that. Well, you remember the third seed, by the way, went into good soil, but there were so many weeds there, and we talk about the world that we live in is so confusing that the truth can be there, but it's wrapped around all the lies and the cultural things, and we don't dig out the truth to know what God means for us, what God is calling us to do, who God is calling us to be. But then there was that four seed soil. When that seed went into good soil, it was rooted, and it grew. 30, 60, the, the, the harvest off of that was beyond imagination, wasn't it? We couldn't even think in those terms. And so what he tells us here is God is saying, pertaining to the root or origin, original, fundamental, as a radical truth. Isn't it interesting that when we talk about a baseline truth from Almighty God, first use, this is what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. A radical truth, isn't it? Upon which we can build our lives, we can build the rest of the truth that God would have us live by. But then he says this, or error. But then now listen to this. Radical can also mean evil over here too, right? A radical difference of opinion and that. It doesn't mean it's political as now what we have is it's either radical left or radical right. And anything we don't like, we just accuse them of being radical. I want to be accused of being radical. Bring it on. Bring it. I want this church to be radical. I want us to touch all generations. I want us to touch the homeless, the needy. I want us to touch everybody in any condition. Man, let's get radical. Because isn't that what God's calling us to be as a church? Now, look, if you think I'm pumped up now, you, you, don't have, you haven't seen anything really. And Billy's sitting back going, oh, no, where is this going to go? But it's okay because that's what God's calling us to is this radical and so forth. We've got to get back to the root of this thing. Jesus was radical. You think Jesus wasn't radical? Listen to this. Okay, Jesus is being tempted, right? 
And he goes to this. We know the temptation of Jesus. These aren't going to be on the screen, so just watch me. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, that's a long fast, by the way. Then the tempter, you ever associate that word with Satan? You know, say, well, I was, I was in temptation. Well, yeah, you were, because God identifies Satan as the tempter. That's why you are lured, tries to lure you with temptation into something that is against God. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread 40 days without eating. Right? Now, here's the answer. You want to talk about radical? It is written. You think, Chuck, why in the world are you beating us with this about reading the Bible? Because when the tempter comes, if we cannot say, it is written, I know what God said to me. I know what God wants me to do. I know God's word, and it's written on my heart. And he says, it is written, man must not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, then Satan wasn't satisfied with that, was he? Then he says, okay, now we'll get this. You're high up here. If you are the son of God, if you are, throw yourself down. Now what's Satan do? You ready for this? Satan hears Jesus say, it is written. That was his response. What does Satan do? He takes the same word of God, and here's what he says. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. This isn't a red-letter one. This is Satan, the tempter, going, for it is written, and he's going to twist Scripture around. And he said, he will give your, his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, and you will not strike your foot against a stone. You see, this is why we got to know God's Word, so that when the counterfeit comes at us, we know God's Word, and we look at it and say, but that's not the truth. That wasn't how God meant it. That wasn't God's intention with that Word, that Satan's going to take the same Scripture and try to twist it, Right? So what does Jesus do? He goes, oh, yeah? Well, here's what is written, and he says the same thing. It is written. Do not test the Lord your God. And that's what he tells him. That's radical, isn't it? And then Jesus, there was one other thing, and Satan said, look, why don't we just settle this thing? I'm the ruler of the earth. I will give you everything. You just fall down and worship me. Everything is yours. What does Jesus say? Go away, Satan. What's he follow it with? It is written. That's why we got to be in God's Word. If we face anything in life and we can't go to God's Word and say, but tempter, Satan, evil one, this situation where we're in a battle, God wants us to be able to say, it is written because he gave us a love letter as our Heavenly Father. That's what this is. And then he goes on to say, for it is written, worship the Lord your God, serve only him. And listen to this. I love verse 11. Then the devil left him, and angels came and ministered to him. Man, we go, well, if I get through this thing and I tell Satan it is written, what happens afterwards? Well, God says in his word, he's right there with you. You know, there is that scripture that says, oh, I'm with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We got to believe God's word. We got to trust God that he is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. That's what God is calling us to here. So, yeah, it is, uh, it is a call on our lives. 
to follow Jesus and to be radical. I believe that. I mean, just crazy radical. I want to be radically in love with Jesus. Because if I'm not radically in love with Jesus, I don't know what true love is, and I can't radically love my wife. I can't do it. Unless I go to the root, do you get that? You got to go to that, that use right there. What does God mean by the word love? And we've got to live that out. But if we don't get it right with God, and we don't get it right because of what Jesus Christ did on a cross for us, it's really hard to imagine we can actually look at somebody else and truly mean, I love you, and actually have them believe you. We got to get it right, don't we? So then we continue. I want to take us to the end of this chapter for just one verse, because there's some principles first that I want us to get to. In chapter 4, verse 17, here's what he says, and tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. And you know, in Ephesians 4, 1, it's not going to be on the board, but just know that Paul says, as he's writing to the church of Ephesus, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So we've got to get this right, don't we? We've got to understand first, you're not here by accident. Oh, I don't mean in this building. I'm talking about on earth. I mean, we could say, yeah, Chuck, you know, I got here. I'm not here by accident. I woke up today and I made a decision to go to church. That was a decision. I'm not here by accident. Do you believe the same thing about your life and your existence? You're not here by accident. That God has a plan for you, has a calling on your life, and he tells us over and over again, pay attention to the calling on your life that you have a calling, live worthy for the calling on your life. You were not created without a purpose and with God to say, well, I'll see how they do. I'll make a decision if they prove themselves worthy. No, God knew you were worthy to begin with. He created you to be worthy. He knew it at the beginning when he breathed life into you. You're worthy. And the calling on your life, because you are worthy, is a worthy calling for you. We've got to get this right. And so here, you know, you look at this, we've got to be faithful with the little things, you know. I think of this, and the next part of this is, is that when we realize we were created for a purpose, we are worthy, therefore the calling on our life is a worthy calling. One of the things that confuses people is, as we use this term world, man, you got to be a world changer. Let's go change the world. Hey, saints, it's a big world. I haven't seen all of it. I've seen about that much of a world that is just, and the more I see, the more I realize I haven't seen. You know, the older I get, the more my bucket list grows. There's more I want to see. There's more I want to do, right? But here's the real question. When God is telling us to change our world, is he talking about planet Earth, or is he talking about the world that he's given you to live in, your home, your neighborhood, you say, well, Chuck, what's your world? Well, it starts with this young lady right here, our kids and our family. My world right now includes Summit Church. You're part of my world. And you say, well, Chuck, are you trying to change? Oh, heck yes, I am. I want this, the culture of this church, to be so dynamic. And God has just blessed this church. I have the responsibility, and I spoke to him twice last week, and then through some issues, I'm an assistant football coach at 
Wheat Ridge High School, and I think I've shared that with you. No, I don't know anything about football. I'm a Nebraska fan, okay? You know, we talk about how big next week's going to be. If you saw Nebraska's game in Colorado beating TCS, TCU, I just think for Nebraska fan, it's going to be a long weekend for us, but it's okay. My life isn't football. My life is football players. We got beat on Friday night. I've got to talk to those young men. But it includes that. It includes a ministry that God's given us responsibility for. And one of the things that people ask, they say, well, Chuck, you've been in a dozen different countries there. Are you called to those countries? And you know what came to the realization? I've never been called to a different country. I've been called to the leaders of a country who are called to that country. Does that make sense to you? I've worked with pastors in a dozen different, and I'm online with some, in a dozen different nations and so forth. My calling is to leaders, not to those countries. It doesn't matter where they're at. But that's part of the world that I have, you see? Each one of us have a world that we're responsible for right now. Now, some of you may say, I've got a calling on my life for something bigger. I would not argue with anybody in this room that said that. But here would be my question to you. How faithful are you being with the world you're called to today so that God might give you a bigger world tomorrow? Prayer of Jabez. I love that in the little book it's written. But here's the scripture out of First Chronicles and what Jabez prayed. And he says, Jabez called out to God of Israel, okay? If only you would bless me. Extend my border. Let your hand be with me keep me from harm so that I will not cause any pain. Boy, that's a great one, isn't it? A lot of times we miss over that. We say, God, just give me everything you can. I can handle it. Jabez was a wise man. He says, give it to me, but make sure I don't cause any pain with what you're giving to me. And God granted his request. Very often that's translated that, and you get it in the context again of those days that Jabez, Jabez prayed to expand his tent stakes. You know, you, you have this picture of a tent, and what Jabez was crying out is, give me a bigger tent. Make my world larger in your world that I may serve you. You get that? And so very often people are, I'm just going to say, sometimes we miss being as faithful as we need to be in the world that we're in now so that God can trust us with a bigger world like Jabez prayed right there. God, give me a bigger world. Bless me. Let me do this, right? Now, let's go back to these verses for just a second, because now with that and understanding our world, understanding what our world is, we get that right, then God will use us. So there's a calling on our life. There's a world that God has given us responsibility for. I shared with some of our summit kids, I said, get ready. I told you two young men, I was going to tell you a story, didn't I? You know what? Crazy is as crazy does. They said the lighting's not real good, but let me just work on the. I may need help getting up, Jason. Could I have, uh, could I have the summit kids and our students come up and just stand here for a second? Because I want to tell you a story, okay? Just come on up here. All right, come on, that's not all we have. I know we got some other Summit kids here. Sure, bring Merrick up here. I love that young man. 
Anytime a church excludes Merrick, we've made a terrible mistake. Come on, just stand up here. Get closer to me. I know you're standing in case anybody's taking pictures, and you want to make sure they get your good side. Okay, do you want to pull a chair up for him? He'll sit on the floor. This is my buddy Merrick. And anytime we do stuff with Summit Kids and Merrick's not a part of it, whoops, okay, then we're making a terrible mistake in this church. So let me just tell you. I'm going to tell you the story, but we'll let them listen, won't we? You know, one of the things that I read this past week, and I had a chance to share, actually it's on another ministry, but it was about a guy named Dino, Dino Sargent. And Dino was a guy that worked. He actually was from another state, moved, and his job took him. You got him, Chloe. Thank you, honey. Oh, go easy, Merrick. Okay. There you go. All right. In any event, here's what happened. He was working eyes up here at me. Merrick's going to be just fine, and I love having him here, okay? So bottom line is there was a couple that were farmers, and everybody told him, stay away from the really odd couple. They're just a little crazy. Nobody likes them. Nobody wants to have anything to do with them, okay? So one day he went, and he decided to go see them. The man's name was Floyd and his wife, Mary. Nobody had ever stopped by their house before. Nobody had knocked on their door just to say hi. And here he was, radical. Remember that word? Just crazy enough to go, I think I'll knock on their door and just say hi because we live in the same neighborhood. He's just fine. Nobody worry about this. And so bottom line is he did that, and a friendship started. And they were shocked that somebody would actually talk to them. Let me just tell you the short part of this. Over time, that old man on the farm became his mentor, taught him how to farm, taught him how to do things. And then one day he said to them, after, and he had invited them to church, they went to church with him and his family, and they came to know Jesus, and their lives were changed. And then one day, the husband said, you know, if I'm not here, will you take care of my wife for me? And Dino Sargent said, absolutely, if anything happens. And little did he know, not too long after that, God promoted him to heaven. And he continued to work with the wife, and the children, his children, got to be involved. And there were three generations when I read this, and I went back. Now, they came to know the Lord. His children saw God really being God and how they're supposed to act to other people. Now, why do I tell you this story? Well, that's a grown-up story up here, isn't it? But you know the same thing happens at school. There's probably kids that nobody's really spoken to that much. Maybe there's some kids that just need somebody to encourage them. Maybe it's somebody that other kids might have mistreated along the way. And then they say bad things about him, you know. He's okay. He's okay, Mom. He's not bothering us, okay? So this is part of being family. Everybody needs to get that or we're not a family, okay? So here's my point to you on this day. One, I love seeing every week, and I look out and I get to see so many of you. But you know what I really get excited about? I get excited that you would know Jesus, and in doing so, Maybe share that love with another student at your school, or maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood. And it doesn't have to be where you have to know what every word in the Bible is. You know what you have to know, the one word in the Bible? Love. And that's what God calls us to do, is to respect, but to love other people. So I want to tell you, 
Everybody look at me real quick. You ready? I am so proud of all of you. I am absolutely so proud of all of you. And you too, Mary. I am so proud of all of you. And I am so grateful that you are in this church family with us. Because God has a plan for you too. God has a call for you. So let's start doing the things that God would have us do. Can we do that? I love you all. I do. And I'm proud of you. Can we give them a hand? Yeah, let's do that. Come on. All right. You can have a seat now. I love you, big guy. Okay. All right. Come here. Come here. This is my buddy here, too. Come on, honey. That's right. Oh, my goodness. All right. Go have a seat. Now, you know what the real question is here. What's the question now? Can Chuck get up? There you have it. Okay, we got it. There you go. All right. There we go. Chuck got up. All right. So here we have it. There's three or four things I want to tell you very quickly in this message that God gives us. And you say, how do we do this now to change our world? The very first thing is, as God says in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. I want us to understand that prayer is so important because it's just conversation with God. Sometimes we make things more difficult than we need to. And people say, well, how long do you pray? And I said, I've got five-second prayers I pray. I'm walking down and something happens. I get a text from somebody and it can just be five or ten seconds. I have longer prayers I pray. I, it's not about me. It's about your conversation with a heavenly Father. And God says, not that this is important, He says, devote yourself. One of the things that I love at Summit Church is, boy, after every service, you're going to see a prayer team on both sides. There's an opportunity for prayer at the cross we already have there. Ten minutes after this service, led by our elders, is church family prayer time. And I will tell you, that doesn't happen in every church. But we have a church where we say prayer is important. Number one is, you gotta devote yourself to prayer. Number two, he also tells us this, act wisely. So devote yourself to prayer, God's gonna communicate. But then he says, act wisely. We talked about the words, there is knowledge, and then there is the actual application of knowledge, which is the wisdom here. To act wisely, it is really the wisdom that God gives us from the knowledge here. So just, and I've, you know, I'm sure you've met people recite scripture and go, yeah, but what does that mean and how do I use that? Isn't that really the question? I mean, we can stand up here all day and go, okay, I want you to read this scripture. I want you to remind, you know, to memorize that and we'll remind you and check with you. But isn't the real question is with every scripture, what is God saying to you? And then God doesn't just give it to you. Look, there are some they teach in seminaries. I am not one of them. But the idea is God wants us to take his word to communicate with him. And then he's going to say, now, here's what I want you to do with that. It can mean something he's working on me. It can mean something he wants me to do and how he wants me to act. So he says here, devote yourself to prayer. And then he says, that was verse 5, says act wisely. And then he goes on to say, and stand mature, fully fully assured. This idea of standing mature and what God tells us there is very simple. Remember when we talked about maturity? 
We used Hebrews 5, and uh, here's a fun part. That definition of spiritual maturity, about a month ago I listened to one of Jim Ladd's services, one of his messages, and he used that. People say, well, if somebody listened to that and they'd heard this and they said, Chuck, he got that from you. Well, heck, yes, he did. He's gotten so much from me. That's one reason I'm thrilled, but here's the deal. Do you know at the time of our ministry that God was speaking and helping us shape principles, this idea of maturity, there were about six of us sitting around the table, another pastor, board members. Jim Ladd was one of those board members that helped to shape that in my heart and mind, and now the continuity of what God is doing for this church, you're just, gonna, you're just beginning to see it how great a gift God's given us. But remember when we talked about this issue of maturity, we talked about what maturity was is through constant use and training. It's not going to be written, so stay with me. We put it up there before. Now we get to see. Through constant use and training and the power of the Holy Spirit, three things. We discern good from evil. We courageously act on the good, and we take responsibility for our decisions. That's what maturity is. And the beauty of that for me is being perfect is really difficult. I, I, somebody said, have you ever been perfect? And I said, yeah, it lasted for about six hours and 15 minutes. And, and then I woke up. <laughs> and it all went, boo, right down the drain. So I want us to go back to this big idea. God's calling us to change the world. One of the things that I want to leave you with this is, know you have a purpose. Identify what the world is God has you in right now because that's the world that God wants to use you through the power of the Holy Spirit to change. And then when we look at this, God is calling us to be radical Christians. Oh, my goodness. Who he works through to change our personal world. And there's so many examples sitting in this room right now of people that I see in action changing their personal world. And I'm excited about that. But I also believe this. You ain't seen nothing yet. And God's got such great plans for this church to impact this community in ways we haven't even thought of yet that God is preparing us for. Let's change our world. Let's be radical Christians. Let's make a difference in the world that God has given us responsibility in and for. And if anybody would say, well, I'm not sure I'm up to that. And I would say to you, I know you're not. And neither am I. That's why God says through all of that, it is not our strength, but his strength. Of course, we're not up to that. But of course, he is. Now let's be world changers and change our world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you, Lord. What a great day, Father, as our family, your family, is assembled here with all ages, our summit kids, our students that are so incredible. Father, I just ask your blessings on this word today that, Father, if there's anything in this that comes from you, would you sear it into the heart of each person here? Reach them at the point that they're at. Father, help us to see the world that you have us in to change. And through the strength and the power that you've given us that comes from you, 
Oh, may we be radical Christians as we seek to follow you. And we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the radical of radicals. And all of God's radical family said, you know, that was pretty weak because some of you are still not sure if you're radical. I'm going to say that again. And all of God's family, radical family said, that's the family we want to live in.